coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. A very pleasant good afternoon and welcome to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios once again. Our second episode of the third season of The Right Hash. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here with you. And thought it was going to be an evening episode, but fate intervened. And we are starting right around 4.20 p.m. Eastern time here in the Kuchecki studios. The preferred start time for recordings of The Right Hash. And a lot to get to. We're back into our four quarters format. Uh, we'll have two quarters of college talk and two quarters of NFL talk. We are uh, still awaiting uh, confirmation of Armand Kuchecki, who usually joins us in the football preseason. Uh, we'll have him in another week, so it'll just be a two-person show today. And really, the, the news came down yesterday as we, we begin our first quarter uh, with just some general college football uh, potpourri discussion before we get into our top SEC games in quarter number two. But uh, old is new again, if you will, as the, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes are moving to the Big 12. Other speculation about schools such as Arizona, Utah, and nothing has been made official yet for any of that, but it has been made official that Colorado will be entering the Big 12 after this season. This will be their last year as members of the Pac-12. And if you're of a certain age like Alex and I are, you remember when Colorado was actually in the, the Big 12 and played that uh, Black Friday rivalry game with Nebraska. And it just almost feels like it, it feels like it feels like they belong, but the Big, the Big 12 does look quite different now and, and will look even more different after this season. Yeah, I it's it's interesting. It's a very fluid world we live in. It felt like back then it used to be like, all right, we'll do this and we'll table it for, you know, 2026 and see if it ever happens. But now it's like, OK, uh, we spent six months deliberating and we're going to be in the Big 12 next year. Just things move so much more quickly. Uh, so you, you kind of have to be up to the moment. And that's what the right hash is hoping to do for you. Um it's it's interesting. I mean, you, you you said we remember Colorado in the Big Twelve. I I was I was there. It's one of those things where like I was there, but I don't remember it. I don't remember Colorado being in the Big Twelve because I just I don't I don't really remember Colorado since like what nineteen ninety one. I think they won a national title ninety ninety one. Colorado has not been something on my radar for practically my entire life, but cool that they're going back i guess um uh, the big 12 is kind of weird itself right now so uh i i back is one thing to call it but they're kind of showing up to a new family it's kind of like getting remarried to the same person after like 30 years but you show up and all the relatives are different that's kind of what this feels like does, does that does that happen shit <laughs> i mean that's why you uh you you produce SEC football. You know that stuff down in the south <laughs> happens. Yeah, it just it says something about the Pac-12. If uh if Colorado is moving to the Big Twelve, the Pac-12 I think is on life support. But I I don't like to get too deep into the speculation about about this stuff because it, it it can change at the drop of a hat. Um, but I I gotta I gotta figure 
uh, Coach Prime is going to be into going into better uh, better recruiting ground. I guess if it, you lose California, but the Pac-12 pretty much already lost California anyway uh, with USC and UCLA going to the Big 12. But I, I I wonder how much Coach Prime had to do with this behind this the scenes while he was busy barely avoiding getting his foot amputated and and of course you know preseason practice is a thing for most of these uh most of these programs getting getting started and media days and and whatnot so i actually i haven't really been following the media days from the conferences out west uh mostly just acc and sec uh but it's a it's it's just we're probably by our next show we're probably gonna have more conference realignment shit to talk about because florida state uh put out some smoke today talking about how they're quote unquote actively trying to move away from the acc so that that's gonna just keep happening it's it's like a it's like a, a fountain in a, in a pond that just keeps the circulation of the water going. It just, it keeps going and going. They, it's going to, it's going to be a thing for most of this, this season. I think they they've been on the fence since like Missouri and A&M joined. Cause oh, like originally the original exp- expansion talk that I remember was Florida state and Virginia tech coming to the sec, um, which I, I don't I don't know what it is about some of those ACC teams, but they seem to flow in and out of that conference pretty uh, pretty fluidly. Um, obviously, Miami was in there. Just all all the Big East transplants that were in the uh, that were in the uh, Big East that are now in the ACC have at some point been rumored linked to going to the SEC. I I think it'd be great to have Florida State. Um, now, I mean, your conference can only get so so big and remain kind of a conference and not just a smattering of teams just you know the the good teams um this super conference everyone's talked about um so i I don't think it can get much larger than it does after the texas and oklahoma um edition next year but it's there there's some good teams that fit clemson florida state miami nc state virginia tech all the all of those schools are ones that i envision in the SEC in some form or fact. I, I can I can picture it in my mind and it not be far-fetched, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this has been a, a thing since... I, I mean, I remember the first rumors of, like, schools like Florida State uh, and Clemson and the SEC back in the, the way back in the first ever realignment that ended up with Texas A&M and the SEC, but they ended up going west instead of east. But Florida State and Clemson, and I think Miami were also teams that, that were rumored way back when, which feels like, an, an ancient memory and, and it, it is to to an extent um uh, the big 10 has also expressed interest in miami specifically uh georgia tech as well for for other reasons they, they care about academics in the big 10 and not 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 so much in the sec so you can kind of tell which schools in the acc and other conferences are better fits for either the sec or the big 10 based off of that um but i, I told you one team as as we're kind of looking at this pack 12 pack 10 pack 9 breaking down now the, the one team I think the SEC should go after is go get Oregon. I think they've always, uh, at, at least in our lifetime, been a program that is uh, is, qua- is the caliber of the SEC. Um, I, I don't think you can bring in one team. You kind of have to bring in two. But it doesn't have to be two from the same conference. I'd be cool bringing in Oregon and bringing in Florida State to make an even pair um obviously you get some of the the schedule and travel issues from Oregon but Southern Cal's going to be going to New Jersey you know every once in a while so I I I reckon and there's 
a lot of that SEC West actually isn't too far from Oregon, you know, when you look at it, um, you know, as, as far as looking at like Missouri yeah. to Florida, I mean, yeah. they're far. Missouri um, Gainesville is not that different from Missouri to Eugene for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I kind of think it fits. They have Dan Lanning. They've always had a program that recruits really what really well. Um, I, they could arguably become a machine if they can sell sec, uh, playing time. Um, if they, if they haven't been considered a machine, they would be considered a machine, very similar to the way we think of Texas A&M, except for not jokingly with, you know, Jimbo Fisher, just in the landscape of football, Oregon, man, I would, I would freaking love to have Oregon and have that, you know, once every five years you get to go to, go to Eugene, like a Eugene away trip. Tennessee had a home at home with them when Dooley was here. And it was the coolest thing. We got boat raced both times, but it was, it was so cool. They're such a cool program. Yeah. And now the geography doesn't matter really much anymore. Like you're saying, I think the SEC should be the aggressor here. And, you know, in, in going after the types of schools that fit their mold and not necessarily being in the Southeastern part of the United States, like the, the team that, the, the probably I would say the school that approaches their football the most like an SEC team outside of that footprint is Oregon. I I I, I struggle to think of schools that you know out, you know and outside of like Ohio State, Penn State type type thing, but definitely on the West Coast, the the school that fits the SEC's profile is is definitely Oregon. You know, Washington. You know, if they if they only go out west, like Washington is another program in a big yeah. city with a cool that would be a cool road trip too to, you know, to do a Seattle, Oregon, you know, road trip for, for, for basketball or something, if, if, if it comes to that. So that's a definitely it's the first I've heard of the sec going that far away, but it, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense with the, the way the landscape is. Yeah. Washington would be cool They're They've been kind of like the official bouncer um, of, of the pack, whatever, for the last 15 years. Um, there's been some good USC teams, some good Oregon teams, some good, Utah teams, but that they, they, they can never push through because somehow they always just get stopped by Washington. So I've always had an appreciation for Washington being the nation's filter, not letting any undeserving, absolute bat shit, horrible Pac-12 team wind up in a playoff scenario. It seems like they knock that team off every single year. They're kind of like the Iowa of the Pac-12, where <laughs> uh, on their own, they're probably not going to make it. They always have a top five team like every four years. And every four years, they have like two defensive backs drafted in the top 10, but they're just good enough to be the challenge, the, the boss level before you get to the end boss of the game. And it stops a lot of those teams that are not ready for the end boss. That's the DPS check before you get to the uh, before you get to the playoffs that I've always appreciated Washington for that. Yeah, like the color scheme too. the purple and gold with a little bit of black sometimes. So I know they have they have black uniforms that they wear. The the uh, I, I, it's it's like a different purple and black than the Ravens though in a, in a way, and it, it it's just, I don't know I think their colors their colors jump off. It would make the SEC way more colorful if they went and got Oregon and Washington because you don't have any green or, or purple in that league. So I, I I would really like it from that angle too. We don't have any purple in the SEC. It's that's true. Yeah, per, well, I mean, if Clemson comes over too, then then you you fix that problem. So have you? I, I'm thinking about I, the things that matter. Are, I can't tell if you're shitposting me or not. Am I, am I missing somebody? 
I mean, uh, Brian oh yeah, we do. I'm sorry, we do have we do have LSU, but Washington's purple is different. It's a little bit more blue. I think. I think. Yeah. 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 I, I think, right, was, I'll take that one. I'll own that one on the air. I, I totally forgot about it. I wasn't trying to make. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know if you were shit posting me or not. No, no, like, no, not uh, at all. I just like I just I was thinking about schools and going quickly through them in my head, like. No purple, I'm, no purple. I'm going to give credit where credit is due, though. Purple is an excellent football color. Uh, I love Washington's, and I think where they set themselves apart is, I know you said purple and gold, but I actually don't know what they call their secondary, like, beige cream color because it's very unique, and it doesn't work anywhere else that it's applied except for at Washington. It, it is such a unique, just tan color yeah. that works perfectly with that purple um it's nothing like the 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 bright lsu purple and gold it's that purple and beige where it wants that purple to be the main star of the show right where lsu LSU wants to be yellow with that beautiful purple accent like clemson correct yeah yeah they're the most they'll be the primary the primary uh purple i wish lsu wore purple at home more sometimes though because i think it looks really good with the the gold pants but I know they have their or the gold helmets too. I know they they're, have their their weird traditions. They're the Cowboys, yeah, yeah. they're the Cowboys. It's, <laughs> I mean, okay, cool. You want to be different, but like your purple jerseys and to, sometimes your yellow jerseys are just, you know, chef's kiss. I I I like their quote unquote home jerseys though. The purple ones are a nice, uh, you know, every once in a while. I wish they would do it more than once a year though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we are moving into other college football topics on uh this first quarter of the right hash and i rack my brain to make sure i have all the conferences straight with the colors but uh staying in the sec (laughs) a lot of uh you know a lot of a lot of smoke and fire about quarterback quarterback competitions in athens looks like it's going to be carson beck uh but brock vandegrift uh also you know also in the mix but i i'm focusing on the one in tuscaloosa now because everyone's been saying milrow is going to be the starter and we, we've here have been saying that I don't know if that's not necessarily a, a done deal. It looks like a three-headed competition in uh, in Tuscaloosa for the, the starting quarterback job to replace Bryce Young, who was drafted first overall, of course, by the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I mean, we, we have three of these, you know, perennial college football playoff mainstays with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State um, all seeing their quarterbacks – Uh, from last year leave their programs and you know Bryce Young CJ Stroud and Stetson Bennett Um, and they they recruited well behind them that like they they're four and five star guys that are sitting behind them it's not like they're having to you know turn charcoal into a diamond or anything here but certainly a little bit more of a tumultuous start to a season than you would normally have Um, at Bama uh, I think I think I agree with you. Where Bama is the one that I can't put my finger on. Um, if if I had to guess, Milrow and Beckner Buckner. Do, do you know how he pronounces his name? The Notre Dame quarterback that transferred. Uh, not off the top of my head. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Buckner for now. Um, but please forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. I know I've heard his name before because um, he was the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. I just can't remember it. Um, but I have a feeling Milrow and Buckner are the real guys here. Um, Buckner obviously playing uh, high-level high football, won the starting job at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he, he, he's, a, he's a good quarterback. He, he's what I think of more 
in the kind of original Nick Saban Alabama days with the AJ McCarron, uh, uh, who who's old buddy on SEC Network now. I don't uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting names. Greg right McElroy. Now. Yeah, Greg McElroy. Um, he he's kind of more that build where. You know, his legs might get you a little bit, but he's mostly just a game manager, gets you in the right play, let the athletes do the athletic things. Um, Milrow is kind of almost the exact opposite of that. It's, I don't know if he's the greatest passer. I don't know if he's the greatest quarterback mind yet. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. He was just a true freshman last year when he came in instead. But I, I, I think they're probably going to lean towards a guy who's experienced and knows how to run a game in and out. Uh, Ty Simpson, I think, is probably the third wheel here. Very talented player, just hasn't had a lot of time. And that's kind of the game you play when you commit to Alabama. And then you introduce the transfer portal where they can bring in other seasoned guys. So I I genuinely don't know what they're going to do at Alabama. And I think that worries me for them a little bit. And it's probably why people are having a little bit of doubt about them this year, and rightfully so. Um, Georgia, I, I don't think there's really a conversation here, but the guys behind Carson Beck are so talented coming out of high school, um, Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton, that you, you just – you always have to consider it. I mean, one of these guys may wind up being a punter. Well, like, uh, I, I forget who Georgia turned from five-star quarterback into punter about four years ago, but um, that's happened there. And then Ohio State – um, they're replacing CJ Stroud. You got Kyle McCord, who I think is going to be the guy. Uh, Devin Brown, I, again, I, I say it again, very talented coming out of high school. Uh, he's going to make a push. I think a lot of this is going to cause some shakeup at the top of the college football world. Georgia, probably the most resistant to it because I think they were the least reliant on their quarterback out of those three teams that I just mentioned last year. What if Bama does know what they're doing and they're just playing everybody for a fool? I wouldn't put that past Nick Saban to already know what his plan's going to be going into the season opener on Labor Day weekend and just just maybe toying with people. I, but maybe that's also me having predetermined notions about Bama being, you know, five steps ahead of everybody just based on what I've seen over the last 10 years of college football. I think, I think both Milrow and Simpson are so young that – Nick Saban would be hard pressed to really be able to predict what he could do. Uh, they could do. I, I don't think either one of them are, you know, like high school, college Tua, where we saw Tua come in and Nick was very, very comfortable with him uh, coming in on a stage that he did know, mind you. Um, I, I just have to wonder if he's that comfortable with Milrow and Simpson, if he brings in Beckner from Notre Dame. Uh, to kind of be a, almost a distraction because he, he's not like the other players. He's older. He's a veteran, not super athletic, although I've seen him, you know, rush for touchdowns and whatnot. Um, he, he's he's kind of just like not the other two guys. Simpson and Milrow are a little bit more comparable in, in my eyes. Um, me, Saban always has a method to his madness, but it's not to say that he's going to get it right 100% of the time. And we saw some good out of Milrow last year, but we definitely saw why he wasn't playing over Bryce Young last year. I'll just say that. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. And I, I think Bama, I think their big thing is going to be more around 
the receivers and and running backs that they put around him, not so much whoever the quarterback is. Bryce Young went number one overall and struggled last year because they did not have a well-developed and well-coached roster like Alabama has had in the past. Um, And if Bryce Young – I mean, Bryce Young was a couple of plays from losing four games last year. Um, And if Bryce Young could lose four games, I guarantee Melrose Simpson and Buckner can lose four games. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. I like to, I like to, I just threw that in there as maybe a, just a, a filler question, just because, because it's Alabama's always been so certain of what they've been doing, especially at the quarterback position over the last X amount of years. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how Carson Beck does. And he's got a, he's got just a, such an easy schedule to, to ease into with the, the first, the first yeah. three games really I'm, I'm for the th- conference game three weeks in but it's South Carolina at home so that's that's far from the toughest opponent that George is going to face in in the SEC this season um uh, Brennan Armstrong it's just another team that I I have interest in he was uh at ACC media days today uh saying he's going to treat the Virginia game uh in week three as just like any other game when the Wolfpack goes to Charlottesville so that was that was amusing to hear uh because the the media days are just as somebody who has asked a lot of these questions through the years uh it's amusing to hear this 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 different people giving the same answers every season you know you can tell you can tell that they've they've gone over what they're going to say to the reporters and uh, media days are, are fun but they're also just like man I want to get this over with and and be like, you know, covering practice or be actually playing games. It's like that first, like that. It's like the, the salt you lick before the tequila shot. And you're just like, I just want, I just want the effects right now. I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit up there and listen guys talk to, to guys talking on podiums, giving cliche answers. I just want football to be happening. And we're, we're, I think we're less than a month away from that because week zero is the last weekend in August. So we're, we're, I think we're under under a month, if I'm not mistaken. August 26th is the yes. first is Bingo. the first Saturday of week zero. Um, our matchup is 37 days away for those keeping track uh, to the minute, like I am. Um, yeah. Uh, I, side, side tangent, real quick. I, I do agree uh, on media days, and maybe it's why I like SEC media days more than any of the other ones, because I just don't feel like we get as much cliche and, and coach speak. I feel like, I feel like the coaches in the SEC by and large, they kind of say what's on their mind at media days. It's not like after a game, it's not like a Monday press conference where they're, you know, just trying to keep things together not cause too much smoke for the team, you know, during the week, be a distraction in the off season in the summer. I feel like it's more of a recruiting tool and they can be a little bit more honest about their approach. So it, it does bug me when players or coaches come in and just give you the same, you know, vanilla dry wall paste answers like, yes, yeah, it's going to be another game. No, Brandon, it's not going to be another game. And it's insulting to both NC state and Virginia for you to say, it's just going to be another game. It's not going to be. Tell me, tell me what's special about Virginia and what you love about Raleigh. Like, give me something, dude. Like, why did you travel? Why did you come here to just give me the three default answers I can answer on my franchise player in Madden? You know, I, I, I hate that shit. I'm here so I don't get fired. I'm here so but, I don't get fired. 
but he doesn't have to go. That's (laughs) you're not, you're not forced to go to these. You just got here. They could have sent someone else who's been with state for a while. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Uh, It's just just infuriating. You know, I, I almost wish we could just sit him down with the bobs and let them just unwind him. Because they would, they would get to the center of Brennan Armstrong. It, they, they, I don't know. Would they determine he's a straight shooter with upper management written all over him? Not, not, not if he gave that answer. That's, <laughs> right? a Lumberg, that's a Lumberg answer, man. That is a Bill uh, Lumberg answer. Like my, my first question would be, what exactly do you do here? What would you say you do here? Yeah, I mean, he has he has people skills. <laughs> I have apparently. people skills. Apparently, um, as a... I, I mean, I, I, I'm pulling for him. Obviously, I don't have anything against him um but man come on win win a fan base over don't tell me it's just blah it's just another game way to sell tickets brennan (laughs) yeah i'm not even gonna get into dave doran's comment about him wanting to retire as the winningest coach in nc state history Uh, we're gonna we're gonna save that for another show what what a mount rushmore that is (laughs) as as the horn sounds on quarter number one real quick yeah real quick (laughs) i i had something added after i sent you the notes um, because it, it just came out Jeremy Pruitt is now the newly minted PE teacher at Plainview High School and junior high head basketball coach. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that, that is what a six-year show cause and one-year immediate suspension will do for you. He is back coaching Hasku, um, Coach Cornbread, which, you know, honestly, all best of the guy. I hope he gets back in four years now and does some real good defensive coordinating for somebody. Uh, I actually don't think he's that bad of a dude, but it's just funny when you go from millionaire, multimillionaire coach to PE teacher in like four years. And he just made a movie about this with Woody Harrelson, but uh, I think it was he with could. special needs. I think it was with special needs kids. Though, so. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> he's back. He's back in, he's back in high school in Alabama. I mean, what else is closer? <laughs> there was also a movie about a kid from alabama too who played in the sec but no no one's heard of that <laughs> no, uh, he, he might be the stupidest son of a bitch alive but he sure is fast one down three to go second quarter action straight ahead right here on the right hash you put me through the grinder and i kept coming back for Quarter number two here on the right hash. And we brought this segment back, of course, in the season debut in a, uh, season three. And we're bringing it back again here as we ramp up toward football season. And it is, of course, the grinder where we discuss a topic that makes us think a little bit. We, we don't like to do a lot of thinking on this show, but but we do it occasionally just to make us seem like we know what we're talking about. So this time we're going to do our top five most anticipated SEC games this season can be conference or non-conference games uh, just has to feature at least one SEC team current SEC team I should say uh, no uh, no state fair uh, of Texas uh, on these lists uh, yet but next year that'll be a conference game but uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll go ahead and just kind of kind of run run through these as I uh, I pull up the the screenshot that I took for uh for this show and I'll, I'll start with with my I'll go five to one. My my first one. I'll, I'll kick us off with an appropriate one. The the Georgia Tennessee game at Neyland Stadium. Um, personally, for me, I'll get to hear a game at Neyland Stadium through through the radio for the first time. That that'll be a lot of fun. Alex said a couple shows ago. Hopefully, it's loud uh, because hopefully it's not too much of a blowout. But 
uh, it's, this was the biggest game of the year as anticipated in the sec East last season. Um, and Georgia controlled the game and I thought won pretty handily and Tennessee is going to, I think going to have it circled, but it just, just because uh, it'll be an atmosphere that I haven't heard on the radio yet as a, as a producer, as somebody who spends the entire Saturday as part of the, uh, as part of this sec game day, I, I will be very much looking forward to that. And, you know, I'm, we're not going to speculate really on how the games are going to go, but just that's my first most anticipated game of this sec season. You said your first, is that fifth first? Oh, yeah, first, fifth, my first. fifth, but the first one okay. I am, I am offering. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll go, bo- I'll go bottom to top as well. Um, I'm not going to touch on that one because it's on my list as well. Um, at five, I have LSU and Florida state week one Sunday night in Orlando camping world. Um, should should actually be a pretty good chance for the Knowles to have a home field advantage against LSU. Um, seems like LSU is always opening in a neutral site in like Dallas or New Orleans. Uh, so it'd be cool to see them open with a little bit of a disadvantage. Obviously, this opener from last year set a tone for the rest of the college football season with how it ended. Um, and now we, we, we just have both of those quarterbacks a year more experienced. Both of them really found their footing towards the middle of the season and this this will probably I, I don't know when the top 25s come out but um i imagine this will be a top 10 game uh in the ap poll so i this is this is the tone setter for the year um that there was a couple other games i kind of toyed around with putting here but lsu florida state was just it it, it kind of set it all yeah that was that was the game last year that got me to thinking like, all right, college football is like back, back because 2021 season, there was still a little bit of this COVID, you know, mentality, people not going to games, whatever. Last year in the Superdome, that was an amazing atmosphere and it was a great game to boot. And it was that, you know, it was that unopposed TV slot Labor Day weekend. And we're, we're, you're going to be repeating that this year. And that was the game that really threw me back into this vortex of, of football that I love so much. So I, I, I like that pick. It's not on my list just because I couldn't, couldn't fit every game, but this, this was a, this is going to be the lid lifter, as they say, uh, as one of the, one of the top games of the opening week or of week one, I guess, not week zero. You know, uh, well, putting this list together, I toyed around with like, do I try to keep all bias out of it? Do I try to put a couple of like, do I put the best ones or do I put a couple of the best ones and like some sneaky ones? But I just decided to go what I thought would be the best five. And that is my number five. And my number four is a, a traditional one. Um, the the uh, the Alabama LSU game, uh, that always happens, I think, the first weekend of November. Uh, usually usually the eight o'clock CBS game. I think I think it'll be a, a different network this year with the uh, television contracts changing. Uh, it doesn't always live up to the hype, um, but it's just one of those games that everybody circles and it's, it's, it's one of the top atmospheres of the year. And it always goes a long way in determining who's going to represent the sec West in Atlanta in the sec championship game. So I'm throwing that one on there. That's the, that's the one I have that doesn't have a lot of sentimental value just to me as a college football fan, but I it's on there because it's the showcase game every year. And it would be silly to not have it on this list. Um, we might not be get an instant classic like we do some years. Heck, we might get a game as bad as that national championship game was 12 years ago, but it, it, it's it's on here. It's number four for me, and it's it's probably the only game, like I said, that I don't have any serious sentimental value in as, as a fan. 
I have them on my list as well, so I'll talk about that when I get to them. Um, my number four, I've got week 13 on the Plains at Auburn, uh, Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl rivalry week. Um, you know, the first installment of the Hugh Freeze Iron Bowl, you know, I, I'm not necessarily picking Auburn to win, but Hugh Freeze has been the kryptonite to Nick Saban Superman uh, back when he was at Ole Miss. And I don't see any reason for it to stop. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting first year just with the personnel, but um, that's that's going to be a huge game because I think Auburn fans feel a lot more confident about beating Alabama. Plus, it's also going to be in Auburn uh, at Jordan-Hare, so there's going to be that. Rivalry week, it's the Iron Bowl. That thing just always winds up haywire. Um, so I, I've got them at number four. Has the potential to be the number one game of the season, though. Yeah, and there was the clock controversy two years ago uh, where Nick Saban flew off the handle of with the uh, the field goal attempt that wasn't. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Thanksgiving weekend, it's like when games are played that weekend with the, the leftovers and the, the chill in the air, it, it's, it, adds, it adds an element to it. I, I have another Thanksgiving week, weekend game on my list, but not quite ready to reveal it yet. The third game I have on my list is, of course, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Florida versus Georgia. Uh, Florida's the home team this year. They'll wear the blue uh, and give up the home game at the Swamp. But uh, this, is this to me, is the traditional SEC rivalry. Uh, I've spoken on previous shows about how if I could only have Georgia play one rival permanently every year, it would be the Florida Gators. Um, and it, this, is a, this is a fun broadcast, too. The guys are down in Jacksonville just kind of enjoying themselves. Uh, it's it's a, the atmosphere where... Theoretically, it's supposed to be split 50-50, but in recent years, there's been a little more red and black than blue and orange in the stands. And uh, the, the, uh, this, I think this might be the last one before they renovate, or the second to last one before they renovate the, uh, the game in Jack- the stadium in Jacksonville, meaning this game's going to move to campus sites for two years. So if we could jump ahead, I, I'd be looking forward to this game in either Gainesville or Athens. But uh, just, again, another 3.30 CBS classic time slot, uh, Florida and Georgia. And, you know, I, as far as the game is going to go, expecting the dogs to romp, but this is number three on my list. Uh, another one that, that I, I just had to have on there. Yeah. And a historical list that rivalry probably pro- in, in the top three, top five. Um, I don't have them anywhere near my top five this year. Cause Florida is going to be a dumpster fire. If you thought they were bad with Anthony Richardson, wait until what they do this year. Um, not going to be pretty, not going to be good that is not going to be a game that you're going to be watching for very long unless you like Georgia. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't have them here, but you know, uh, you're, it's, it's your, it's your top five list. I'm, I, I'm not attacking you, Luke. I'm attacking the game. Um, my, my number three, we've gone over a little bit. I've got Tennessee, Georgia. I almost put this at number one. Um, but I, I left it at three just because there's the potential that Georgia just still is that is that much ahead of Tennessee in where their program is. Um, the reason I put it at three, though, is because of what we saw happen in the Tennessee-Alabama game last year in Knoxville. And if you think that was big, Tennessee and Georgia are anywhere near playoff contention. Like everyone kind of expects them both to be by that point of the year. And Tennessee wins that game uprights are going into the river again and it, it, it might it might call for that billing of what Tennessee Alabama was last year um so that th- this one like I said it's less likely 
I think. Um, but Georgia turning over a new leaf at quarterback always could be something weird. It's very end of the season. We're talking week 12, right before rivalry week. Um, so all, all the chips will be on the table for this one at that point. Um, so I've got, I've got UT and Georgia in Knoxville week 12 at number three. And I hope they wear the orange pants in that game too. I, I would, that'd be a cool with the Georgia with the red helmets, silver britches, white jerseys, and Tennessee in the all orange with the white helmets. That, that would be the ideal matchup for me. You know, the orange pants haven't been something that uh, Josh Heupel and the guy, because the, the players vote on the uniforms, at least under Heupel, the players vote on the uniforms. Um, since Trey Smith has been gone, we haven't worn the orange britches as much, but we have broken out uh, more different types of uniforms. Uh, like I just saw, we have a smoky gray retro jersey, which a lot of people hated. Ooh. I really liked, so it's smoky gray, but the shoulder pads are orange, like the old Condridge Holloway white and orange retro jerseys from the 70s. Tennessee wore them in 2004 against Fresno State, uh, just to give you an idea if, you're, if you haven't seen them. Um, some people don't like them. I think they would look really good once you got them on, you know, a pair of shoulder pads and onto the field. Um, I I don't know if Tennessee will go orange pants for that game, but they they always could. It, they're going to change something every week. As long as it's orange jersey and white helmets, I'm I'm fine with whatever. Yeah, and Georgia doesn't really deviate on uniforms at all. So they didn't even wear the black last season. Uh, it was just, just red and white for the dog. So I wonder if that'll continue next year. For the record, I have no idea how Georgia picks their uniforms. I, I just... I think Kirby probably just says, fuck it, this is what we're wearing today. But uh, my number two game, uh, actually stepping out of conference play, uh, this is this is a, a fav- it's just been a favorite rivalry of mine. Uh, my last two games are both rivalry games. <laughs> just a, a favorite rivalry of mine through the years. Um, I don't I don't pick a side. I don't really like either of these teams. I just really like the what happens on the field when they, they get together. And that's Florida versus Florida State. Um, we, we talked, you know, about half an hour ago about Florida State possibly making noise about leaving the ACC SEC is an ideal landing spot for them. Uh, and these two teams just plain don't like each other. And they, since they're not in the same conference there, there's not as much back and forth except when they are leading up to this football game, which is often Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, sometimes it's on black Friday. Sometimes it's on Saturday, but these two teams used to be a lot better. And I think that plays that kind of plays into the classic rivalry feeling that I have about uh, Florida versus Florida state used to be uh, one of these teams was seemed to be in the championship every year. Um, And now, now both of them have taken a a bit of a step down though. I like the job that Mike Norvell has done at FSU a lot more than I like the job that Billy Napier has done so far at the university of Florida. But I believe this one is at uh, the swamp this year in an odd year. So that that'll be a, that'll be a cool atmosphere uh, as always. And it's just, it doesn't, it's one of those throw out the record book games. Uh, and as an ACC fan, it, it was always cool when an ACC school would go up against an SEC school, just to, felt like kind of a, a test of metal for the conferences. Yeah. I don't have much to say except for see what I said about Georgia, Florida. If, right. if you like yeah. seeing Florida get smashed by their rivals, this is a great year for you because it's probably going to happen. You're on, you're on to something. No, I'm just kidding. I, mean, I think we kind of took different approaches with like how we did these lists based on, you know, like how good of games we think they're going to be versus just the matchups themselves and to, the historical value to it, which I think works, which to is be honest, why we do this. I, I had a Florida game at six, but it's not either one of those that you've mentioned. It's Florida, South Carolina, the battle of the old ball coach, because I feel, I, I feel like that's a much more, uh tight game on the field 
um, with two programs going in kind of weird directions, not necessarily opposite, but just they're both kind of in weird places right now. Um, so yeah, F- Florida, South Carolina is, would have been the rivalry. I mean, the game I had for those two schools, but um, yeah, I, I didn't have Florida on my list because they're, I don't think they're going to be good this year. Um, my number two, uh, I believe you had this on your list already, so I won't go too much into it, but LSU, Alabama week 10 at Tuscaloosa. I think LSU is the better team, but going into Tuscaloosa is just one of those. You, you, you never know. Not a lot of teams have won there in 15 years. It's really, really hard to go in there and win. Um, LSU, I think probably will do it. I'm not, I'm not sitting here picking this game, but based on the way it went last year, this is going to be one of the top games on the entire schedule in the entire country, definitely in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, there's there's never really too much you have to say about this one coming into it. Um, it's 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 that game that that like I said, it used to always get the SEC would have two doubleheaders for CBS every season, a noon and a three thirty, and then a three thirty and an eight. And this would always be that eight o'clock game, and that tells you everything you need to know about it. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I hope we get more than a field goal fest because the most anticipated one I remember was I think in 2011, the year they met in the, in the championship game. And it was, it was nine to six. So it, beware, it could be a bad football game, but it's, it's always, always well anticipated. Barn burner, man. A barn burner. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number one is actually, it's one, it's one featuring two teams we haven't talked about thus far. Um, and it's, it's probably one you don't expect when it comes to me and, and my teams of interest, but I love, love, love the egg bowl. The egg bowl is my favorite sec rivalry game. And I said, Florida and Florida state just don't plain don't like each other. Well, Ole Miss and Mississippi state just plain hate each other. Um, and I, I'm actually, uh, for my, for my everyday job, I I'm fortunate enough to work with these two, uh, athletic departments in, in a, uh, a limited capacity and everyone from both the, those schools that I, uh, I deal with is really nice and, and friendly and, and cool to work with. So that that's part of it, but also I've never forgotten in, in four years, the Ole Miss receiver pissing like a dog in the end zone, causing a 15 yard penalty and causing his kicker to miss the extra point that would have tied the game. And to that, this has been my favorite rivalry ever since then. Uh, so, it, 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 and this one is usually a good game, regardless of, of how the teams are. Uh, it is in, uh, it's in Oxford this year. Uh, I, I think it's in Oxford this year. I, I could be wrong. I, I, I could be wrong. But um, yeah, man, this, the, the Egg Bowl is, is one of those, you know, just they get together and it's a, it's a frenzy for three and a half hours. I've, I've listened to both radio broadcasts of, of this game and it, it's just, it's super fun to hear on the radio. Uh, the, the, the guys don't hold back about how much they hate the other team and how badly they want their team to win. And it's just, it's everything that a college football rivalry should be right down to the tailgating in the Grove. So the egg bowl is my number one, most anticipated sec game of the season. Yeah. This one is in uh Stark Vegas this year. Um, but no, no matter when it's played, everyone will always remember the Eliza Moore end zone urination and, uh, you know, hard, hard, hard to imagine that guy ever wound up in the NFL, much less became, you know, has become a decent deep ball threat uh, for the Jets. So um, great, great, great game. And this game is on Thanksgiving, too, I believe. So if it's the, the, the NFL 23rd. Game, yeah, that, what, that whatever uh, the 23rd is. 
that that's that though it's been on Thanksgiving the last few years and, and it's provided it a is. good alternative to the the crappy NFL game that usually gets shown after the Cowboys game so yeah no, usually, normally normally the the Thanksgiving day games are Ole Miss Mississippi State and then like Arkansas and whoever they're playing like I feel like Arkansas yeah, is always yeah, Missouri on the on on Thanksgiving or the Friday Arkansas always plays um because they they don't really have they don't they don't really have one of those rivalries they're one of those yeah. old big big 12 teams that all their rivalries are in a former conference uh which would be cool to have all of them coming back with Texas and Oklahoma we can finally start to see some actual rivalry week shit with Arkansas um but yeah Egg Bowl it's nice that it's not just called the Egg Bowl because they used to score zero points or, have, <laughs> or both teams have zero wins coming into it. Um, you know, th- this is uh, this is the first one post the Pirate. So uh, it's Dark Vegas. Hopefully they can win one for um, for old Mike Leach. But um, <laughs> I, Will Rogers is, is still there. I feel like he, he's like Mohammed Massaqua, where I feel like he was just in the SEC for 12 years. But um, – <laughs> He's like a red shirt, super COVID, you know, super duper junior or something like that. Uh, he should have the he should have the captain badge with the five stars filled in like they do in the NFL by now. <laughs> yeah. um, a- excellent game. Not on my list, but like you said, I think we took different approaches to our list. But uh, I'm glad you brought that one up because that yeah, is and just... the commanders play the Cowboys that afternoon. So I'm either going to be really pissed off watching that game or like throwing <laughs> a party at my house. So <laughs> that, no in between. That that's just good old fun football it, it almost it's almost like just a good clean high school rivalry to me yep. um yeah, it's like everybody knows sense. everybody knows everybody like it's like oh i grew up down the street from you like that kind of shit yeah it's like they would hate each other if both teams were ever really good and something was on the line at all ever to, during this game but it, it, it it's like a family reunion um except for you're rooting against half of your family um so i I, I love the game and it's always got a nice spotlight on it. So good. Number one, my number one, as I said, I just went through and ranked what I thought would be the best games and uh, call, call me a little bit of a homer if you want to, but after what happened last year, uh, I'm putting Tennessee at Alabama at number one week eight at Tuscaloosa. Um, if we get a fraction of the game that we got out of Tennessee, Alabama last year, it, it will be worthy of the number one spot. I think it was the best game in, in football last year. And that's not even me being, uh, you know, a homer saying that. I, I think widely a lot of people would put that up there at one or two. I, I, don't, I don't have a number two for you off the top of my head, but number one, I, I think it's definitely in contention. And I, I don't see why it can't be that again. Um, you know, it's weird that I've put both of the top games being at Alabama in Tuscaloosa, but um that they're also I, I think most of the games i put up here are the highest leverage games too they're the games who are against the best teams in the conference these are the ones that are going to determine the conference the sec championship and largely the playoff picture um and and tennessee alabama as it always has it, with the exception of the last 15 years that, that this this is what determines the who plays in the sec championship game we've never played each other there whoever wins this Whoever loses this, if you lose this game, you know you're not going to the SEC championship versus the other team. If you just take history into account, um, and if we get if we get the game we had last year, boy, what was was I nervous? N- nervous doesn't even come close to it. Um, I was like that picture of the guy smoking a cigarette 
just look stressed out at the most stressed you could ever look in your life. Uh, it was like that, that, that like that Popeyes clerk with her with her the, her head in her face with the signal the smoke break. Is that her, what I'm thinking of? N- um, no, it's it's the guy who is like he is he he's taking a very serious inhale of his cigarette. He's in like the Adam Sandler movies. He's in like Anger Management. I forgot what his name is, the actor. But is it Steve uh, Buscemi? No, it's not Steve Buscemi. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not Crazy Eyes. Um, he he he's the guy who played the angry dude in anger management which is i, I know in anger <laughs> management, he, he's the really angry dude great um, movie great movie <laughs> but but anyway that that's how i felt most of that game and it's only going to get worse because we're going to tuscaloosa and the flags are going to go against us it's just going to happen we don't have most of our offensive uh output from last year is not coming back but i still expect this because of what alabama lost at quarterback I expect for this to be a very, very close game and an extremely impactful game for both of these squads. And I'm pointing at number one. Sue me. You know, Greg Sankey is on the phone with whoever the white hat of that game is as we speak. You know, he's like, they're talking about uh, they're talking about winning in Tuscaloosa this year. No, we're not letting that happen. No, you know, I I I wonder I wonder what the SEC thinks about Alabama. I wonder if they see that it's a little bit more interesting when there's a couple of more kids in the playground you know so to speak it's a lot better when you know that uh, upset could happen um i don't know i don't know maybe it won't be as egregious as it was when we went there two years ago against mac jones and got freaking um what the worst roughing the passer call i've ever seen we're getting up and guy just kind of like pushes off Mac Jones to get up off the ground and Mac just flops. I mean, that, that this guy used, it was just pure wrist. He didn't put any elbow or bicep or anything into it. He's just kind of like balancing himself to get up 15 yard penalty. And, and that the whole game was like that. Thankfully last year at Tennessee, I felt like it was at least even maybe with Tennessee, even getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt from the officiating crew, um, which was nice to see. Cause you kind of need that to beat a team that, maybe is better than you um uh, uh, it's a whole new monster going into tuscaloosa when you have uh what when you have actual hopes on the line you know it's okay when you know okay this is just going to determine whether i go to the citrus bowl or the liberty bowl but when it's you know this could determine if i'm going to the playoffs or you know going to the citrus bowl that's a whole different thing yeah, absolutely. Or I'm going to the if I'm going to the SEC championship, or if I can make plans for the first weekend of December, or if I'm gonna be in Atlanta drinking beer at Park Bar and then and going to the game. So, yeah, yeah that's that'll be I, that'll be you, that'll definitely be the showcase game of what whatever weekend that is. So that the, that'll these were good lists because what we crossed over, I think, at the right points, and you you had some of the more intrigue i went with more just some of the heavy hitter i think we got a good collection of games here agreed it's like it's like it's almost like they should start playing these games now like this weekend oh. as we as we speak who Come cares on, if it's 100 who cares if it's 110 degrees outside it's only going to get hotter uh, <laughs> I, I i need an ncaa football game so bad man i yeah, man. I, don't, I don't fuck caleb williams fuck those guys who want to get paid put them in there as QB 11 and let's roll. They're going to be out of my program in three years. Anyway, let's, let's roll. I want the recruiting dynasty up. I need something to do because I am at my wits end. And we're still 37 days away. I am unhinged.
<laughs> as the, the horn sounds on quarter number two as the grinder comes to a close our top five most anticipated sec games of the season as we've hit halftime here on the right hash and with this college football season the professional football season also comes fantasy football season and we of course are going to do our right hash league once again so uh, we'll we'll make the, the we'll open it up to everybody who started who uh who wasn't in the league last year and then anticipating a couple people maybe not coming back. So um, we'll, we'll have some information about that on our social media in the next little while here as August goes along. But this is the official announcement here at halftime of episode number two of the third season. We will be bringing the Fantasy Football League back and, of course, be keeping you updated on the show uh, as the season goes along. So uh, any, anybody who is interested from last year, welcome to come back. And then any new listeners who might have jumped on the bandwagon afterwards, uh, you're also also welcome to uh, to come back as well. So just let us know on Twitter or any other social media if you are interested in participating in that. Uh, but that's our that's our, our halftime show, if if you will. I'm I'm excited about fantasy football, man. We have we have our our serious league, and then we have this league where we just kind of come on here and roast people for making bad decisions, including ourselves, including ourselves. It's funny. I was reaching out to uh, Brent yesterday to get him uh, back into our, our group chat. Of course, I, I, everyone kind of, you know, sets it aside for the for the off season, And you have to go make sure you have your notifications on and stuff for that. Make sure we're catching all the the, the, the league notifications. But I I reached out to him. and I'm like, dude, just take it easy on us this year. And he said, I, I can't do that. I, I want to hear my shout outs on the right hash. So if you want shout outs on the right hash, drop us a line shoot us an email, the right hash at gmail.com. Let us know you want to be in the fantasy league. That way we'll make sure to get you an invite whenever uh, we get the league activated and, and rolling around. Uh, prize will be a, a gift card to wh- whatever the, the winner wants, or we could just shoot you a Venmo a cash app. Um, it, it's, it's not a nothing burger. You're not going to retire off of your right hash fantasy league winnings, but it'll be enough to, you know, get you a really nice dinner, get you a couple of, of meals from a Bojangles, something like that. So no risk, join up, hear your shout outs during the, during the, uh, the right hash weekly show and, uh, get involved, get involved as they say. Yeah. Just to be clear, there is no fee. There is no entry fee. Uh, just because there's a prize, you just still, it is still completely free, no strings for anybody to enter. So that is our, our official plea for our, uh, our initial official plea for our, uh, our right hash fantasy league, which is entering season two as uh, we continue with season three of the right hash. Halftime is over. Let's get back to the show. Third quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. Into the third quarter as the NFL takes over here on this show and we'll structure it this way. We'll go just general NFL, lots of news to get to, including something that happened today in Cincinnati. And then the fourth quarter, I'll have some thoughts on Antonio Gibson and we'll tie up loose ends with the commander's sale and just make that a, a Washington specific quarter. Uh, but first things first here in the third quarter, uh, really, I mean, I wasn't, wasn't really planning to lead off with this, uh, but Joe Burrow, in the hour before we sat down to record this show, suffering a non-contact injury in practice. Um, of course, we're, we're not doctors. Um, I'm not, I am my father's son, but I'm not a doctor. Um, the n- namesake of the studios would uh, probably be able to give us a little more information, but we just kind of saw him pull up, go to the ground, grab his, his, his heel, ankle, back of his foot. Uh, they're calling it a calf injury officially, but this is kind of the first crazy thing to happen in in preseason practice 
uh, our first superstar to, to suffer an injury. And then time, only time will tell. We'll probably find out uh, this weekend what the extent of that injury is. Uh, but definitely not, not good news if you're a Bengals fan, to say the least. Uh, no, not, not at all. Um, even if it is minor, given his injury history, how minor can any of that stuff really be considered? Um, at the end of the day, gut feeling just tells me it it more scared him and the staff more than anything. Jalen Ramsey was carted off today as well. Turned out it was just a bone bruise. I, I haven't seen the video of Jalen Ramsey's. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that getting carted off in training camp isn't necessarily the same thing as getting carted off in a in a regular season game. Um, sometimes it's just at the end of practice. They don't want that guy to even walk back on it. They just want to be safe. Um, you know, when he came up, it looked like it popped, looked like something scared him. I think both of you, both you and I agree, it didn't look like an ACL, just context clues around it definitely looked like it could have been an achilles or calf's you know calf pull something like that hoping it's just something minor um sit him down the rest of the offseason i don't really think he needs to be playing anyway um especially running quarterback scramble drills like okay come on joe i i I know i know you're joe shiesty but just get get to the regular season man just make it to the regular season we've missed enough of you you're fun to watch. Everyone loves watching you. Got to make it to the regular season, dude. Um, you know, I'm not going to be the thoughts and prayers guy, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping Joe Burrow is good to go for this season because NFL is a lot more fun with him in it, to be honest with you. I was going to say the exact thing. He's just so goddamn fun to have around the game. <laughs> the cigars in the locker room, the, the goofy dances with his teammates. Like, he's he's way more, like, personable than – your average NFL quarterback, I think like, like Pat Mahomes is a guy who just kind of goes about his business and puts up numbers and wins games. But like Joe Burrow has a shitload of fun doing it. And, and that's what makes him one of my favorite players today. Yeah. I mean, and J- Joe Burrow is one of those guys that, um, y- you know, his, his track record isn't all success. You know, he was good in, in high school, really floated around in college, you know, it took one last Hail Mary of a season at LSU for him to get to where he is. And I think a lot of folks can just root for him. He's a nice guy, never getting in trouble. He, he's just got, he's got that, that old mid two thousands word swag. He's just got swag about him. Um, you just like Joe Burrow. I think he's a, he's a nice, um, you know, not, not to call Pat Mahomes a villain, but Pat Mahomes is kind of the incumbent. He's the nice challenger, a consistent yeah, challenger the clean, in the, the AFC. Clean shaven shaking the hands kissing babies type guy yeah yeah he he, he he's just a he, he's he's the competitor that everyone wants on their side to go to go to go at the king so to speak and, and pat mahomes um and the afc just doesn't feel the same as loaded as the afc is it just doesn't feel the same if joe burrow's not there so hopefully in hindsight this is a lot of talk about you know a calf strain or something that's relatively minor that's ideal but um Man, uh, <laughs> I, I I hope you don't have any keeper leagues with Joe Burrow this year because I would have a knot in my stomach if I if I put everything that I owned into Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, almost you almost feel how NFL GMs feel. <laughs> yeah, like that they're on the phone trying to make trades for a QB right now. Um, I don't know I don't know who they'd get. I I don't I don't know where they'd get them from. 
I don't even know who would remotely be available right now, but um, just please, whatever happens, whatever happens, I swear to God, I do not ever want to see another Colin Kaepernick workout video. Let's just bury that where it is right now. Never come back in the league. You had your chance. Nobody wanted you. Let's move on to new guys. Just don't, I don't want to see the Kaepernick saga happen again. Teddy Bridgewater, you are a Cincinnati Bengal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd be I, like Skyline Chili. <laughs> I, I think Teddy Bridgewater has been around enough leg injuries that he knows not to go around where one has just happened. <laughs> uh, he he has not had good luck in, in that category in his entire career. Um, but hey, hey, may, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, I hope it's just Joe Burrow's fine. I just hope it's yeah, Joe Burrow's fine. And that's all it is. Uh, from one unhealthy QB to a healthy QB who just got a healthy contract. Uh, Justin Herbert, five years, $262.5 million. Um, I'm still trying to find out what's guaranteed and, and what isn't. There was a lot of legalese and language in there that kind of confused me. But the point is, Justin Herbert is currently the highest paid player in the NFL. His total contract value eclipses that of Lamar Jackson by, I think, $2.5 million. So that was something that was pretty everyone was pretty certain was going to happen and it just it, it kind of happened on a, on a slow Tuesday evening um, I guess it was still afternoon out in Los Angeles but Chargers have their man locked down um, I, I think this could be a team to watch this year in the AFC you've got a lot of these establishment guys like Mahomes like you just mentioned but Herbert is another one of those guys who is on the up and up you know he's uh, one of those challengers who you know in, in this primary between young AFC quarterbacks to try and dethrone the King Patrick Mahomes. He's another one of those top players. And if you're a Chargers fan, you've got to be thrilled with how long you've got him locked down and finally being able to build around him a little bit, you know, absent of kind of the drama with Austin Eckler. But now that you've got Herbert in place, if you're uh, Tom Telesco in that front office, you can really kind of focus on moving forward with the offense and being like, okay, now, now we can really think we, we can be a, a a challenger to the chiefs, particularly because the other two teams in that division, I'm not expecting huge things from this year uh, with the, the, the Raiders and the bra. I still think the Broncos are, are going to need a, a year under Sean Payton. So I, I think if you're the chargers, you're really, really looking at this season as, as one to, to, uh, to insert yourself into the discussion in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they've kind of been the number two there since Herbie's been there. The only to, to me, they're not a snake in the grass until Brandon Staley's gone. I think he's one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. Um, I saw him personally blow a four-interception, 30-point halftime lead to the Jags last year in the playoffs. Um, and to me, I, I, I'm, I am not worried about a team that does that. Um, good teams don't do that. They are a talented team, but there's a humongous difference of being a good team and a talented team, and they are a talented team. Not to mention – this uh, big payday for Justin Herbert comes right now in the middle of this uh, big running back valuation you know, snafu, what, whatever you want to call whatever's happening right now, this movement with Austin Eckler being at the forefront of it. Um, I, I just have to wonder if there's going to be kind of some awkward feelings for Austin Eckler in that building. Um, I think he's, you know, Justin Herbert is very important. Quarterback is very important. But just in terms of winning, I think Austin Eckler is the most important player on that roster right now. Um, 
I think I, I, there's just a lot of weird timing here and things don't, my gut just does not feel good about where the chargers are. If they would make a coaching switch, I'd feel a lot better about them, but they're going to stick with the same dumbass that, you know, has managed to run all this talent into the ground and barely make the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I, I, I really like the chargers as much as it may not sound like it. I, w- I want to like the Chargers. They have a lot of players that I really, really, really gravitate towards. But that they just they're they're so dumb. They're so inconsistent. And sometimes they're just plain bad. I want the Chargers to be good because that's a division that just screams like Monday night football, Chargers versus Chiefs, eleven and four versus, you know, twelve and three, big stuff on the line type of games. And they they just can't get there for one reason or the other. And it starts with the head coach. Yeah. And I was really surprised, excuse me, that they brought Staley back after that. Um, I'm not really sure what, in, what, what went into that decision, uh, but it's kind of funny because I'm not really a big fan of this team at all. And I was kind of singing their praises and you, you like them more than I do. And you're speaking a little pessimistically of them. So it's it just funny, funny how things work out here, here on uh, the right uh, hash. My but, pessimism is all from that Jaguars game last year. Yeah. Um, which that's the most recent well, they got, game I mean, they, they got exposed. They got exposed. Yeah, I mean, you get four gifts and don't win that game with a, like a 27-point lead coming out of halftime? Like, how? How do you – like, it, it should not be possible to mess that up. It's like and it's hard to do. Yeah, like it's – you have to – I feel like you have to try to do that. Like you, – You have to call every wrong play. Right. Like, you, you can put it on Herbert a little bit, but – that they ran the ball in the single digits in the second half of the 27 point lead. Like, what are you doing? I mean, it, literally the same thing the Falcons did in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, like the o- <laughs> only way we get back in this is if you give us time. Like, your defense is good, but we have Trevor Lawrence and some good weapons. We can get back in this through the air. We can do that, but not if there's not enough time. And they just third down, throw the ball, third down, throw the ball, third down, throw the ball. You realize you have Austin Eckler back there. I realize you're not going to pay him, but you know he's good, right? Just because you're yeah. not going to pay him doesn't mean he's not good. He's still on your team for that one game, at least. <laughs> hand, hand, hand him the freaking ball. Um, <laughs> no. Um, and, and until they change that, I will. I my optimism for the Chargers will be, uh, you know, just kind of saved for when it's deserved. Yeah. I have optimism on the roster. They have. They have stars at every position, dude. Like every yeah, the position. pass rush. I mean, no one talks about their pass rush, but like yeah. you know, you got Joey Bosa. <laughs> I mean, that they, they're holding uh, Khalil Mack. Yeah, that they, 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 they got dudes on the back end. Derwin James freaking Jr. Like they have superstars at every position on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, uh, Rashawn Slater, who he's going to be coming back this year, should make them even better. Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler. There is a superstar at every position on that team. And they blew a 27-point lead, to, a halftime lead to the Jaguars they, last year. They have more superstars than Phillip Rivers has children. And that's hard to do. Very, that's hard I mean, to do. Actually, that, that might not be true. I just saw they're pregnant again. So, um, Oh, it might be even now. that The count might be even. Yeah, I think he's trying to keep up. He said, all right, all right, keep signing people. I got it. <laughs> empty. <laughs> well you did bring up running backs a minute ago and there's been a lot of running back news in, in the nfl of course the the twitter barrage last week 
was one thing, but there's actually been some some stub substance happening because Saquon Barkley got a one-year deal under the tag for about $10 million. Uh, I was looking forward to him sitting out the season and making the Giants worse, but I do I do like Saquon Barkley as, as much as he torches my team sometimes. So it, it just, for, for as a fan of him, it's, it's good to see him get that deal done. I still think he'll be playing elsewhere next season if he's if he's playing as, as a running back. But um, then you have Josh Jacobs, who uh, declined a $12 million uh, offer this season. And then you've got Dalvin Cook, who was just released by the, uh, the, the Vikings and recently visited the Jets, who are kind of trying to assemble all the weapons around Aaron Rodgers. So it's just it's this saga is you know, is going to go on into the season because there's always players who start the season as free agents and then get picked up as the, uh, as the season goes on and injuries happen. But this is louder than it's ever been for, from the running backs as to, you know, the, the, what they're getting paid compared to quarterbacks, not compared to quarterbacks, not compared to wide receivers, whatever. But, you know, Sa- Saquon Barkley is, is what the giants need for, for that offense. I think you know, he's like kind of that, that X factor. And it was really important for them to sign him, but you know, D- D- Dalvin Cook to the Jets intrigues me. It-, it intrigues me a lot because you've got Brees Hall coming off an injury, who was one of the best running backs last year before said injury. And then adding to that Dalvin Cook, who, uh, you know, you don't know what he's got left in the tank because of all this, this stuff about running backs. But it- it- that's the kind of player that I-, I think Aaron Rodgers would be really stoked to add if, if he ended up going to the Jets. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Aaron Rodgers just restructured his 105 million guaranteed to 75 million, saving them like 30 million or so. Um, which I'm sure I, I I wish I could have seen every Green Bay Packers fans' reaction to getting that news that Aaron Rodgers is finally taking less money so that the team can afford to to pay other players. Um, but he is restructured so they could go um get even more help, which I I mean. At running back, I think that's smart. Nothing against Brees Hall, but coming off the injury that he's coming off of, uh, the stats are the stats, and it's nothing personal. The stats are the stats. And if you can add Dalvin Cook, at any point, you add Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's probably not going to cost a lot. If he was going to cost a lot, we would have heard a lot more about him. He's been released for like a month, um, and there hasn't been a lot of talk about you know his contract, what he's going to get paid. And, you know, I, I feel like I ranted and raved enough on the running backs last show. If you're interested in that, go check that out. Um, we, we went pretty in depth uh, on the running backs there, but um, there's just, there's just a million of them. And I think Saquon Barkley is smart. Uh, he learned the lesson that Le'Veon Bell inadvertently taught everyone. Um, you can try to make two extra million by holding out, but are you really making two extra million if you forego 14 million to get the two extra? and then don't ever get the two extra. I think Saquon Barkley is playing the right way. It's an unfortunate side effect of the position. that There's a lot more turnover. Uh, there's a lot more injury. There's a lot more wear and tear. It's just what it is. Um, at the end of the day, go back and listen to the list of Super Bowl winning running backs I listed, and you'll understand why owners aren't tripping over themselves to sign free agent Dalvin Cook. Um, it's because he's probably going to cost more than what his ultimate impact on the team will be. Um, Saquon Barkley is one of those guys you could almost put into an exception category. Uh, the only asterisk by him is his injury history, which still scares me, but muscle hamster is, is he's the new muscle hamster that used to be Doug Martin. Now it's Saquon Barkley. <laughs> um, and he, he's built different. Um, that's for sure. Had a good, good year last year. Um, hope he does well this year and can get something a little bit more long-term because he, he's an excellent player. 
I hope he does well in 15 out of his 17 games. Uh, and go. I hope he I hope he does especially well when they play against the Cowboys. I'm a I'm a big Saquon Barkley fan when the Giants play the Cowboys. <laughs> I, I just I just like Saquon. It's oh, you yeah. know, he's just you know, ne- never never been never been a guy who acts like a superstar, does a lot of really fun stuff. I remember him being on kick return back at Penn State. That's how insanely talented he was. You never see running backs on kick return, especially running backs his size. Yeah. Um, and the Honestly, the game is just a little bit more interesting whenever you can catch a Saquon Barkley, you know, 80-yard screen touchdown highlight on red zone. I, I love the layup into the end zone. Like when he jumps and does the does the Michael Jordan layup and into the with the football. He doesn't even do it into the goalpost. He just he just just lays it up and drops the ball. That's like his his sing. It's like the the Ronaldo Sue of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, you know Saquon scored when he when he drops the ball down. The 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 the, Sa- the Saquon trademark, it's yeah. uh, it's noticeable. I I love his brand. He's just a a good guy. It's a sh- it's a shame that he's in New York, but you know, it, it's 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 all right. It's all right. It doesn't affect me nearly as much as it affects you, right? What do we think of Josh Jacobs though? Because like, I mean, aside from the whole like, yeah, he's probably on the downside of his career because he's a running back. I I still think there's t- a team out there that could use him that isn't the Raiders. I mean, who that team is. I don't well, know, but he's he's the biggest mystery out of these to me. It's not so it, – it's just that inflated personal valuation that they have of themselves. And it, I, I'm not saying that as, like, inflated egos. I'm just saying they're they kind of – running backs in general seem to think they're worth a little bit more. And if he turned out a $12 million option and Saquon Barley just accepted the $10, 11000000 million franchise tag, who in their right mind is paying Josh Jacobs. I know Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing last year. He had a fantastic season so far. That has been the exception to the Josh Jacobs rule. He's been a good running back, but not a great running back. Last year was kind of the exception. I'm not paying you more than Saquon Barkley off of an exception year. I think Josh Jacobs should put his money where his mouth is. Um, should, should just play there for one year. Um and and see what see what happens on the free agent market because that's essentially where he is now except for now he has no guaranteed money um and no one's paying him more than Saquon Barkley is getting so he's already lost money and that's kind of what my point was with the Le'Veon Bell thing don't don't chase the extra two million and lose 12 million trying to do it you know it's it's those it's it's the classic like uh uh car dealership um, you remember those old vacuums they had that there were like dollar bills in them and yeah. they would turn on the fans at the bottom. And the only time you lost is when you opened your hands to go grab more. And that that's just, it kind of seems like what Josh Jacobs has done. He opened his hands and all the money fell out. And now he's just like, Oh shit. He, uh, he bet on himself and lost. Dude, that's what happened. Yeah, if you're, yeah. you're Shea Serrano, he bet on your, he bet on himself and lost. Yeah. I mean, I, you should bet on yourselves. Uh, confidence is one of the reasons that those guys are in the NFL and not, you know, in a mini camp somewhere, not at an orange Julius that they, they have good men. They're good players, mentally tough, that type of thing. But I, I, I think you have to stop wishing that you are worth more in the landscape of football and realize what you're worth in the landscape of football. Tight ends do more than running backs and they're still getting paid less than running backs. There's maybe not as much wear and tear, on a tight end, but they do more. They they have more modern impacts. Running backs don't, and 
the running back community just doesn't seem to recognize. I, I don't know if people don't want to tell them if they just don't want to hurt their feelings, but these guys on the zoom call, that's apparently going to happen frequently now. Um, I, I think it'd be wise if they just had one guy go, Hey, wait a minute. Um, can everyone vote on who the best guy is here and see who it is and then see what he gets paid. Um, and if you could be not be honest with yourself, am I better than him? No. Did he even have an impact on his team? Probably not, unless it's Derrick Henry. And you, you go down the list, and it just it makes you realize how little running backs mean. They, they are essentially, essentially just a decoy. I was thinking about this earlier. That, that They're a decoy. The only reason they exist is so a play action will work later in the game. That is the only reason running backs exist. Passing plays are far more efficient more yards per play on passing plays. Um, and in today, with all the flags and penalties against quarterbacks, it, it you, you, you lose momentum, you lose efficiency running the ball. Um, but sometimes you need a decoy to make stuff work. It's like hunting. You go buy a decoy. My decoy is not going to cost more than my hunting rifle. I'm going to spend all my money on my hunting rifle so I have a good hunting rifle. I'm okay buying a used decoy. It's just a decoy. I don't, I don't need it. It's, it's just there for to be to be a decoy and that's what i think of running backs and i don't mean that to be offensive but that's just where the game is right now it's re reality versus what people want is often they're often incongruent and that's where that's where i think there's there's a mentality among some football fans that are like i don't want to see the game change too radically you know i don't want to see the game get away from this ground and pound smash mouth football but that's what's actually going to happen. That's what is happening. That's what has happened. So like, and I'm one of these people too. I'm, I'm starting to accept that I'm going to be seeing guys throw the ball 50 to 60 times a lot more frequently than I did five, 10, 15 years ago. And, and I, I, I as a fan, I can understand that as a, as a world-class athlete, I can get why that might be harder to get through your head, but, but I, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's just the way the game has changed and it's similar to the NBA where you don't have guards that are under six feet anymore because every point guard is now six foot three, six foot four, six foot five. And that's, that's just how the game is changing. You'll never have another Muggsy Bogues. Uh, just like you may never have another type, you know, John Riggins, you know, Marcus Allen uh, type of Mike Allstott type of running back, man. I, I miss, I miss Mike Allstott. Now that I mentioned that name, uh, you're, you're, you were, you were always in good hands with, yeah. with Allstott. Um, but, but <laughs> it's kind of, just kind of, kind of, ram, kind of rambling now, but a <laughs> little thing to throw in there. I'm glad you brought it up into basketball, but it's also the reason that we don't have guys like Shaquille O'Neal hanging around anymore either. Yeah. Um, yep. It, it's, it's high scoring. Shaq does a lot of good stuff. Shaq can't hit a three to save his life. He would never, he would never play real minutes in today's NBA as good as he is. He just really wouldn't play minutes in today's NBA. He can't do anything else than what he did. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of running backs. That's why we see, you know, that, that that's why we saw the the transition from the fours moving into the five the same way that we saw Cordero Patterson and Debo Samuel moving from wide receiver into running back because you just you need more scoring. Running back isn't that difficult to do, to be honest with you. Um, it, it's more of the wear and tear that's hard. There's not a lot else that's really difficult about it. Um, and it just makes sense to use someone who's more skilled and can get into the end zone in more various ways. Same way the NBA, you know, changed the NFL. Changing. Yeah, absolutely. As the horn sounds on quarter number three of our second episode of season number three of the right hash from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki studios. 
Three down, one to go. We go to the fourth quarter right here on the right hash. We invite you to also check out our soccer show, The Right Hosh. We'll be having another episode of that coming to you next week as well. Uh, Rob Jordan was at the Wrexham versus Chelsea game at a at Keenan Stadium. So we'll have a, have a report on that from him and lots of lots of soccer stuff to catch up on. But this is gridiron football here on The Right Hash. And we're about to start quarter number four with a Washington Commanders discussion, actually sort of re- related to what we were just talking about in the third quarter with running backs and just maybe the biggest enigma on the team since he was drafted uh, in 2020. No, I'm not talking about Chase Young. I'm actually talking about the third round pick, Antonio Gibson. Uh, he was been pigeonholed as a running back. And last year he was featured a little bit as a receiver. Um, he's got a little bit of injury history as well, but he's another one of those players that is in this kind of in between uh, of he's on in the last year of his rookie deal. Uh, not sure if he's going to be in Washington past this season, uh, but also with the change in leadership, the offensive coordinator now be, being Eric Bieniemy, and the news breaking yesterday that they're going to try out Antonio Gibson at, at the third down back role. They're going to slide him into where JD McKissick has been for the last couple of years. Um, so out of the backfield on third downs, uh, just those dump offs, those screen passes, but also makes me wonder what they're going to do if they're going to use him at all as a receiver, which is what I've been advocating for uh, ever since he was drafted because he was drafted as a wide receiver and then kind of pigeonholed into that running back spot. But Antonio Gibson is another guy who is playing for a contract this year. Um, and he's going to have to be watching the market. And, and, and it's just weird for me to think like, are we going to use him like Debo Samuel or are we going to just keep him like JD McKissick only really use him on third downs or obvious passing situations. But it just, he's a player that I really, really like, but he's always just seems like the odd man out on this offense. And hearing this news about him being the third down back doesn't really do much to alleviate that in the long term. You know, he's going to be a piece of the offense this season, but in the long term, is this a guy that Washington is, is going to want to throw a lot of money at? And then right now, if you, you ask me that, the answer is probably no, but he, he's got 17 more games hopefully to, to, to change that. Though I, I really like Antonio Gibson. I've liked him ever since he kind of first burst out of the scene a couple of years ago. Um, you know, the, his problem at the time was fumbleitis. That's why he got moved down the depth chart and, you know, largely taken out of the limelight in the backfield in Washington while they drafted over him a couple of times um, with, with Darius Geis and then uh, B-Rob last year. Um, that, that being said, I think he's a really good pass catcher. He seems like a really good modern player, especially in a B enemy offense. The problem that I see with this is to me, an outsider who just merely knows football. I see a better player for that role on this roster already. And his name is Curtis Samuel. And they seem to like him a lot more last year, even just as the incumbent roster that signed him uh, when he signed as a free agent last year. I think the enemy will see Curtis Samuel as a, as a shorter Kadarius, Tony, Nicole Hardman. And to me, Curtis Samuel is going to be his gadget guy. He's really not tall enough. I would say to be in every down, even a slot receiver, he's kind of short to be, and he's not speedy enough to be a Tyree kill guy for his size, but he's shifty. 
Um, and he had some really, really good games last year. One of his really good games was against the Jags early in the season. Um, and I, to me, that's just where I see Antonio Gibson's issue um, is I just, I think Curtis Samuel is better fit for everything that Antonio Gibson would be doing. I guess benefit is you can have both of them on the field at the same time. Um, and that, that makes you pretty, um, you know, flexible with what you're going to do, but it also leaves you a little bit small. That's a small ball lineup. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but if there's anybody who can scheme that up and, and really lean into the strengths of those two guys, it's going to be the enemy. Yeah. And, and this isn't a, a big, like, I mean, physically big receiving core. Terry McLaurin is only six feet tall. Jahan Dotson's not a big dude. Uh, Cam Sims, who is six foot five, is, is uh, with the Raiders now. Uh, so th- th- this is a very small receiving core to, you know, adding in Samuel. Uh, and and they, another guy we just brought in who has a lot of speed, but is also not, not in that big receiver mold is Byron Pringle. And, and this seems like a legitimate signing. This doesn't seem like just a camp body uh, because of his relationship with Eric B enemy. Um, and, and I, this, the speed he brings, you know, he's, he's not the receiver that Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson is, uh, but he, he's a guy that you can put on the field in those, those obvious passing downs, those five wide packages uh, as an option for Sam Howell, who knows the system knows the offense. Uh, so that, that's another signing that, that Washington has made since then. But, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of just uh illustrating my point there that Antonio Gibson is just, he's the odd man out. You know, there's, there's, it's like play uh, pickup basketball where there's 10 spots and he's the 11th guy. Like there's just, it's not an, a knock against him. There's just not really a place where he fits on this offense. And it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to me to see the market for him uh, as this, this, uh, this season goes along, because uh, I feel like we're going to get our answer early in the season as to whether, Washington has him in their long-term plans or not with the, the first few games with how, how their offense looks uh, under the enemy and, and with Sam Howell at quarterback, we think with, with Sam Howell at quarterback, it hasn't been made official. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is also getting reps in, in training camp, but uh, we, we think we can only assume that Sam Howell is going to be the week one starter uh, when, when Arizona comes to town in week one. Yeah, I was uh, I, I had that on my docket to ask you about because obviously bringing in Jacoby Brissett, that's not a nobody. That's not purely a backup. That is a guy who has won starting jobs in the past. And um, I, I know you're definitely in the in the Howell camp, but how realistic is it? Let's just let's just talk about week one. Forget the whole season. Forget who wins it ultimately. But week one, how realistic is it for Jacoby Brissett to be the starting quarterback? I don't think it's that realistic barring injury because I think the coaching staff and the fan base and the front office have all kind of settled on Sam Howell without it being made official. It's almost like a Carson Beck situation that down at Georgia, a, a poorly kept secret, if you will. So I going off of what I think is going to happen versus what I want to happen. You know, definitely we would love to see the Wolfpack guy beat out the, the, the Tar Heel for, for the, for the, 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 the starting spot. But what I think is going to happen is, they're going to go into week one with Sam Howell as the quarterback and he's going to sink or swim. You know, it's, 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 it's totally out of my hand. So it's, it's not something I've been losing a lot of sleep over uh, as the season gets closer. It's just, he, he's going to sink or swim and, and uh, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to figure it out for better or for worse, but I see very, very little chance barring injury that uh, Jacoby Brissett starts week one for Washington. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't agree or disagree. Just uh, you follow that stuff. You, you're following the beat writers and all that kind of thing. It can yeah. get. I, I I realize all this mini camp and you know uh, involuntary stuff has has just recently started. It's kind of hard to to nail anything down. But I'll say this: I'm seeing a lot more of those edited slow motion Sam Howell videos than I am of Jacoby Brissett. You know, like it's like, oh, check out this throw or, or whatever, which which drives me crazy. I could do a whole hot box on how people cover practice on Twitter, but but I'm seeing a lot more of that kind of stuff featuring Sam Howell than I am featuring Jacoby Brissett. You know, promotional content for the season, stuff like that. It's just all all signs point. If if you were a Magic Eight Ball, all signs point to Sam Howell. That that is that has just been the entire professional life of Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, right? like, the, the guy has always just been been good, but he he's just never it, the camera's not on him. You know, he's never doing anything super flashy. Um, which I mean is probably why he's bounced around as kind of a backup or you know, the the the, the mercenary. Okay, someone has to take these snaps, come in and do it this year, so we can figure our shit out. Type of player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just like Lex uh, Grossman when we had him. Yeah, I mean that there's a there's a lot of players that have been that. Uh Geno Smith, I think, was one of the ones who they kind of that's what they tabbed him with in Seattle. Basically, it was like, all right, just be a holdover until we figure out our Russell replacement. And bam, hundred million dollar contract later, here he is. Um could could be Jacoby Brissett one day. I'm I'm pulling for him. Uh obviously, I don't want it to happen at Washington it, because of an injury or anything. If Jacoby wins it, I hope he just I hope he's the better quarterback. Um, and I, I I also hope Washington don't just give Howell the start because he's a younger guy and unproven. Uh, I hope they try to win because I'm I'm a big Terry McLaurin fan. If you haven't picked it up over the years in, in the show, I'm a big Terry McLaurin fan. And I'm very, very tired of Washington wasting his career with nobody's at quarterback. Um so I, oh, oh, you're, I, you're tired. You're tired of it. <laughs> I, I am. So I, I mean, I can only imagine how tired you guys are and you're almost in like the, you know, like the insane asylum with your, you know, you're in the straight jacket in the padded room and just like, nope, this, I'm not, I'm not saying you're being delusional. It's just kind of where the team has forced you to be mentally of just like, it's out of my hands. I can't worry about it. I'm not losing sleep. I yeah. get that. I've I've been a Tennessee fan for 15 years. Believe me, I get that. I I just I just hope that they get this figured out for Terry McLaurin sooner rather than later. And I'm not a Washington fan. I don't dislike Washington. I if anything, kind of like them just because a lot of you guys have been around me and I've watched a lot of Washington. Um, kind of like them. I'd pull for them. Hope you guys are happy. That t- type of thing. But more importantly. I want Terry to stop being on this cusp of the top 100 because of who's throwing him the ball. You know, at, at what, what was he 96th in the NFL's top 100? That that dude is a top five wide receiver in the NFL, but he doesn't make it there because nobody throws him the football. Yeah, and it, and it, it just pisses me off, man. Just pisses me. Uh, off. Yeah, it's it, uh, you, you, you. I I could have put that into a lot more explicit terms about. Yeah, just how we've how we've. This is fifth season, dude. This is fifth yeah. season coming. He's up. on a second. He, he signed up for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He literally he consciously up chose to, to be doing this. And uh, I, I, I hope I hope Howell's just a guy. I know people liked him. He had he had a good career 
at Carolina, kind of a, a sh- kind of a shitty last year comparatively, but you know, he's got the potential. He can do it. He had a decent game that he played at the end of the season last year. All signs point to this guy having the potential to do it, but I'm tired of bringing, I'm tired of seeing Washington throw guys out there that have potential. If Howell doesn't work, go find someone who has done something already. Don't draft a guy. Don't bring in a Jacoby Brissett. Go find. I don't give a fuck if you have to bring Kirk Cousins back. Bring Kirk Cousins back and pay him $40 million. I'll at least feel better about what you're doing. Yeah, I would like that. You like that. <laughs> you like that. I w- we would all like that. We would all I- like that. <laughs> Speaking of Kirk Cousins, have you watched the Netflix series QB? Dude, I haven't yet. I'm like, I, I just haven't had time to like really dedicate and like focus my energy, but it is, it is coming soon. Let me just tell you, as plain as you think Kirk Cousins is, he is even more plain. He is the best nickname I ever heard for Kirk Cousins was the human cup of ranch dressing. I, I think ranch has more spice than this guy. <laughs> I mean, his, his wife and his family still shop with Cole's cash. Like that, that, his wife dresses him, which I'm I'm not even throwing shade, but she dresses him and she shops at Kohl's. That's why if you look at him at the end of the day and he's like, this guy's got to have on some white new balances about to go hit up the grill. That's absolutely what he's about to do. He's about to go home, kick off some, you know, slap something and say that's not going anywhere like he he is the dad meme Kirk Cousins is yep. the dad meme he he's the um, guy who like he he walks around the house turning off all the lights because his kids left them on he he yeah his kid says dad I'm hungry and he says hi hungry I'm dad like is you name it exactly <laughs> and and he, he he could also like fix your door if something's not working um he, he's just he's prototypical dad guy yeah, it's like, um, it's like, oh, Kirk, Kirk, our neighbor Kirk's coming over to help me build this shed this weekend. He's, he's that guy. Yeah, and he, he always just has some random obsession with something. <laughs> it's like, the, the, this, this guy loves his fence. Like, we don't know why, but he washes his fence every <laughs> he's Sunday. The, he's Johnny from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, dude. He walks around with the plank. Plank is his best he's got friend. plank. Yeah. Kind of- he, he just, no, no worry in the world. Not flashy. Doesn't need a whole lot. Like, I don't know why Kirk is holding out for $40 million. You guys are shopping at Kohl's. Like, <laughs> take the pay cut and pay some players and win a Super Bowl, dude. Come on. But anyway. Yeah, come back. It, come it, back to watch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it would be a good reunion, I think. Like, it, yeah. if, you know, you know, beach, beach, throw all the bad juju out in the, in the world. If Sam Howell just doesn't work out or work out immediately, Washington needs to be serious about their quarterback next offseason. If, if Sam Howell is not the guy this year, don't wait around on him another year. Go do something, please. You, you spent all this draft capital on defense and a defensive line that you're not even going to get to use because you haven't put a good quarterback on the other side of the ball. You're going to have to let Chase Young go, which you probably could have parlayed into an actual quarterback at some point. Um, just go be serious and you, you're going to have new ownership. So I have, I have faith. I hope you guys have faith because I have faith that things can get better uh, with new ownership and just kind of a breath of fresh air in that building. I I feel like a huge weight got lifted off that city. And to that, I have a question for you, Luke. It's a two-part question. One, with the new ownership, is a new nickname on the table? And if so, what is your preference? 
All right. So I am saying, yes, it is on the table. They've talked a little bit about that. Um, Adam Schefter said something about how he doesn't think the commander's name is going to stick. Um, so, and when Adam Schefter says something's probably going to happen, it, it, it usually happens with regards to free agency moves and stuff like that. So I, I kind of trust that they're going to be the commanders this year. Uh, I think they might, they're going to reopen that, that jar next, you know, next February, next March. Um, that that's the easy part. That's the easy part of the answer. The hard part of the answer is what do I think it's going to be slash what would I want? Um, well, absent of going back to the old name Redskins, which isn't going to happen. Um, you know, like, like warriors would be a great name. Like it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a established generic name. Um, it's still got that kind of warlike quality that like that aggressive quality. That was what I would have liked when they changed from Redskins initially. Um, red hogs is another one or just hogs is another one that gets thrown around uh presidents is one that uh i wouldn't necessarily want just because who we've had in office the last you know several years going back to the previous president and our current president so i wouldn't want that representing uh washington football but that's a name that gets gets thrown around too or or even even this is an old school one senators is another one that's that i've heard uh, after the two not one but two baseball teams named the senators failed in dc so um, I, I don't, I don't have any leads onto what it might be. Those are just some names that I've seen thrown around. Um, I, I, Warriors is my favorite. Senators is probably my second favorite, but man, I wish we'd just keep the commanders. I don't, I don't think they will, but I wish we'd just keep the commanders cause I'm used to it. And I'm like buying clothes now and stuff. And it's, it's really not too bad now that Dan Snyder doesn't own the team anymore. And, and the, the crowds at practice have been a lot nicer and it seems like the fans are really starting to lean into this. So I, do I think the name is going to be changed? Yes. Do I necessarily want it to be or know what it's going to be? No. Cool. That's mostly, I think, what I am up to speed with as well. The only thing I don't like about the commander's nickname is there's not a shorthand for it. Like yeah, that's a big, you can't that's say a big, skins. Yeah, it's a big um, criticism among local media and fans. Like it's just as fast to say Washington as it is commanders, and that kind of defeats the purpose of it. To me, I – I think they had it nailed before they picked out the new name. Washington football team was my favorite, was my favorite iteration. Outside I liked of that games. too. I, it grew on me but just, you know, with the soccer angle to, you know, you got, you know, yes. Liverpool FC. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. I, I, I liked it. I think it had, it was very unique. There's no one else in the NFL that is just called the football team. And I think that's very, you know, it's got some old school, like, you know, 6am workouts with the old, you know, just coach whistle. It just feels like a football team, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's got that salt of the earth type of feel to it. Yeah. And um, hey, we, we, our last playoff appearance came as the Washington football team. So can't, can't really argue with that. Well, then maybe you should never go back to it. Just let that die a winner and let, it, <laughs> let all the other names be yeah. doomed. You either, uh, you, you, either yeah, die, that, you either live, you either die a hero or live to live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> become the commanders. Yeah. <laughs> Should, should be interesting to follow. There's a lot still going on um, in, in Washington. We'll be sure to talk about it all on the show whenever it happens. Um, sure to be a lot to come in the next couple of years with new ownership. And I, I safe to say you're excited for it with the, with the Dan Snyder change. Yeah, man, you could, could it's an understatement. I mean, I, I really couldn't express on, on this show how just how much I'm looking forward to seeing things happen with that guy gone. I mean, just seeing this, the stadium's going to be full again. Like it's, it's, it's going to be legit, man. I mean, we're going to feel like a normal NFL franchise again, like we did, you know, we were never the best, but 
up until I was about 16 or 17 years old, we, we always felt like a, a normal NFL franchise. And that's, that's what it's going to feel like again. And I'm, I, I couldn't be happier for that. Well, it's right around the corner. Um, just at the beginning of September. So we're let or six weeks away. I want to say five or six weeks away from uh, NFL kickoff. So it, it's, it's right there. It's right there. Um, I, I don't really have too much to say other than it's been excellent to see Calvin Ridley actually playing with some of our players. Uh, the guy looks like he's running routes on fast forward compared to the rest of all receivers. So he's still athletic. He's still really fast. Um, that should be – that's an interesting thing to monitor, but I, for one, am just happy for a very slow, pretty non-eventful offseason in Jacksonville. It's, it's been a while that, since I haven't had to, like, cry myself to sleep thinking about what was going on in that building. And other than other than the ownership change, it's been pretty uneventful in Washington too. You know, there, there hasn't really been a, a lot of stuff. You know, we've gotten the players signed that we needed to get signed long-term this offseason, and, you know, the, the coaching staff is – staying consistent and you know they're they're all they're all coaching for their jobs this year but this has been the the calmest offseason in a while in Washington calmest one I can remember yeah and you you hope that's just not out of you know people being disinterested and lethargic about the squad which yeah well given given the crowds I've seen it at in Ashburn at practice then I, I don't think that's the case are they moving back to RFK? Is that on the table? Too? That is. So they, the DC government just passed a measure today that would give the city control of that land, um, which would, which is a, st- is a step to toward, because right now I think it's owned by a, a private commission that, you know, you, it would be, make it harder to, to build on that area. But I think the control of that land is about to be transferred back to the DC city government uh, who, once Dan Snyder was out of the picture, was like, okay, yeah, let's get them back here. So the, the wheels are turning on that too, uh, which, Dude, which yeah. I would do. A, I would do a whole fucking show about that. <laughs> right now, you are where I was when we fired Jeremy Pruitt, hired Josh Heupel, and just started to do adult things. Like there's adults in the room making the decisions and right. not exactly. em- emotional, maniacal exactly. people. You don't and have it, Dan Snyder walking off his fucking yacht to make draft picks. Yeah, like like you. You, you can accept that there's going to be growing pains and there's going to be mistakes. It's, it's still, you know, you're still where you're at, but at least it feels like you have real human beings with intelligence making the decisions now. And you, but there's, there's just like, there's light on the horizon. It feels so good. And I'm glad that you guys are kind of getting to be in that position. Now, hopefully the season is at least a positive indicator uh, going forward as well. I know not everything is, you know, made better just because he sold the team. It's still the same team. Oh, it's but, pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but the, the the feeling, the the confidence levels are high, and that that goes that goes a long way. No matter what the team does, just your confidence in the people in the building. Tennessee went seven and six in Josh Heupel's first year, but it was so different to any seven and six we had been in the last fifteen because it was like, how is he doing this? What, what, okay, he's he's actually doing stuff like this. Isn't just because other teams are bad, you know he's got his own shit. He does his own shit. It's unique. And it just kind of feels like everything's coming full circle back for Washington and moving back to RFK would be the ultimate cherry on top. No doubt about it. I would love to see the bleachers shaking. Just put, put movable, shakable bleachers in that stadium. Uh, that, would be, that would be phenomenal. Make sure they can't fall in any of Philadelphia's quarterbacks. But other than that, yeah, movable shakeable is good. <laughs> and that's about all the time we've got here on our second episode of 
the right hash of season number three. We're really looking forward to the 2023 football season, both college and pro uh, here from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. One more time, uh, we will be reprising our Right Hash Fantasy Football League. So if anyone who played last year would like to rejoin, let us know. And if you know anybody who might want to uh, play for the first time, let us know that too. It'll be completely free to join, uh, no strings, just some fun fantasy football uh, to keep us keep us loose on the show this season. So for Alex Thompson, I'm Luke Ned Carney. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Right Hash. We'll talk to you next time from the Nasser Alexander Kuchek.